Hey, I'm Jenny Barr. And I'm Kim Godfrey. We're friends, former teachers, and homeschool moms ourselves who host the Homeschool Well podcast. We talk about topics that are important to homeschool moms so that you can be your child's best teacher. Welcome to episode 18. Are you looking for activities for your young child who is just in the beginning stages of noticing print, like words, the letters of their name, the sounds that the letters make? Well, this podcast is for you. We have seven impactful activities that will make a difference and make it easy for you and to teach this reading and writing skill to your little ones. And it will also not break the bank. So what do we have, Jenny? Awesome. That's important. All right. So I'm going to tell you all seven that we're going to talk about today, and then we will break them down one by one and give you some examples of some things you can do with your beginning reader. Number one is read. And we will talk way more about that. That sounds so easy, but I mean like read, 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 like read a ton. Number two, read rhyming books. Number three, you can start with your child's name to start teaching letters. Number four, use play for learning letters and words. Number five, use movement for learning letters and words and directionality. Number six, use technology to help teach that. Let's give mommy a break. Number seven, write down stories they tell you and read them back to them, which is very fun. So those are what we're going to be talking about today. And we will go back and start with number one, which was read so much to your baby, toddler, preschooler, every age child, but especially the ones who are learning to read. Right. We read to our babies in utero and like I tell right. my daughter about that. I would like rub her belly while I'm reading to her. And she I did. Reactions. It's amazing. You know, all the time. And one way, I know y'all already know this, but we just want to mm-hmm. make a firm statement. You don't have to buy every book you read to your kids, okay? No. Go to the library. Utilize online resources um, like Libby is an app, uh, the Gutenberg Press. Uh, those are older books with a lot of words, but mm-hmm. use freebies. Yes, for sure. And the thing that is important about this time is to make reading fun and enjoyable and a connection between you and your child, because they will remember these feel-good feelings as they're going on. When reading gets hard or when school gets hard, reading is always something you can come back to and have a connection. In fact, my son Hayden just last night said to me, mom, do you remember when we used to rock in our big fluffy chair And you would read to me every night before we went to bed. And because I did it, I mean, we did it until he was, you know, until he was too big to sit on my lap almost, you know, we always did that. And um, that is a thing he remembers. And then later on when we were homeschooling, sometimes we would read out loud and I would rub his back or we would eat a snack with it. And it just became a very loving time to use to connect with our families. And so you want that good feeling to get in there about reading. (laughs) So much bonding. Yes. And I love that our boys are 14 years old Mm -hmm. and they say these things. Yesterday, I asked my boy, hey, what is the most positive thing that you remember about us having read-alouds, you know, in our homeschool? And he said something I wasn't expecting. 
He, I thought he was going to say that a lot of times he got to play with his leg. I mean, most of the time when I was reading, he got to play with mm-hmm. his Legos and draw and do things like that. That's what I thought he was going to say. He said, I think it was all of the engagement that we had between us. I know. Oh, okay. Wow. I wasn't expecting, I didn't say anything because, you know, he's 14 and I can't say much. (laughs) I was just glad he gave me an answer. And I thought, well, now his journey with reading involves being in, you know, for the last couple of years, because he's in ninth grade now, it involves less engagement and less less time to to tell how you feel and how you react and um, to bond over stories in a way that makes it come to life. So, uh, and your boy with the rocks. That's an amazing the- answer. It's so okay. funny. Yeah. I just, he just said that out of nowhere tonight. I'm like, cool. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> Love it. And yeah. I need to say this to homeschool moms, because, oh goodness, I try, I did read to my kids every night before bed and Woo, that was so hard sometimes to put oh, yeah. everything down that I thought I had to do. And I mean, I literally would get these physical, you know, like I'm a little ADHD guys. I have a, I have a thing in my hand. What is this called? A fidget. I use a fidget while I'm doing these podcasts because otherwise I'll pick my nails. Okay. And my skin <laughs> and it's so horrible. So this is me every night as I'm like feeling, oh gosh, no, I have to sit buy this in the bed with the kid and read this story. That's the, you know, the devil part of me saying, oh, this is so hard. And thank God that God would say to me, no, 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 this is going to be done before you know it. And so you get your butt in that bed or that chair or whatever it is, and you read this story and talk to your kid about it. And it was physically a battle sometimes. But look, like when you just said that, that's the first thing that popped to my mind. Validation. That's right. Spending those nights, you know, not every night, but the majority of nights that you are making a pattern and you're making it a bonding experience where your boy is 14, he comes back and says, remember that? Yeah. I was putting him in bed last night. I mean, he always likes me to come in and cuddle with him still. He's a cuddler, but um, he did say that to me last night when I was laying down with him before he went to bed. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. But literacy wise, I mean, reading all the time to your kids, lets them hear the book talk that, you know, how do books sound? Like readers need to know how books are going to sound when they start reading, like the predictions and the language that readers use. They use different language than how we talk and vocabulary. And there's just so many benefits of reading. Even if your kid, I mean, there were times too, like you were saying where Wyatt would fidget with things and everything. I mean, I remember reading stories and Hayden was um, flipping on his bunk bed, like doing flips around the top of his bunk bed while the rest of us were trying to read a story. We were trying to do like family reading at night. And I was like, oh, okay, as long as you're quiet, you can do all those flips before bed. But um, but yeah, it they just- actually listen. There is they a do listen and he's just very active anyway. Yeah, so it just helps- put all of that book knowledge and um, book language into their minds as yeah, well. Continual exposure, right. uh, the repetition, all the technical aspects of reading uh, just get soaked in through that continued exposure. But then the bonus part is the, yes. uh, the bonding and the, the emotional right. sharing. That's just uh, wonderful. It just makes a beautiful thing. So Which, read, read, read. That's right. Read, read, read. So that is, that's why that's number one. Number two is read rhyming books. And so I brought a couple today to show if you're watching on YouTube, if you're on a podcast, I'm going to tell you what they are. 
like Mother Goose, uh, Best Mother Goose, Richard Scarry. Sorry, I say his name's scary. Um, these and then books like Mouse Mess. This was a favorite in our house. It's all beat up. It's falling apart. I've taped it. But rhyming is like sing-songy. It's delightful. And it really, um, kids who have good rhyming skills later on have better phonemic awareness, like they're able to, which means you're able to discriminate sounds, you're able to pick apart sounds, like when you're trying to sound out a word. And so a lot of times um, when I was a reading coach, we would find that kids who couldn't read well also had never really learned to rhyme. They'd be in like second, third grade and still could not rhyme. So um, reading like that, it helps your ears become discriminating. And it helps you be able to listen to when sounds sound the same or not and that kind of thing. Plus it's fun, right? Yeah, very fun. This is yeah. where I have to make the little plea for twaddle because um, in our circles, the method that we use for homeschooling, uh, the word twaddle, was an, it's an actual word. It's fun to say, and it's an actual word. And it means, it, it was shined down upon. Is that the word I want to say? It was frowned on, frowned upon. Right. Twaddle was a bad thing. So we wanted to stay away from twaddle, okay? It basically is like silly books that have no meaning, that are dumbed down, that are um, not worthy of like deep discussion, okay? So as much as I tried to keep the twaddle out of my home, you know, I like rules, I like outlined lists and things. So I'm like, okay, you know, we don't want to do all these da-da-da-da-da, whatever. My brother gave me, it was a very sweet gift when I had kids. It was this big stack of Dr. Seuss books. Okay. That in our circle, I'm sorry, but some of most of it, that's considered twaddle. And you don't want to spend all your time on that or hardly any time on that, whatever they would say. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't like not do like these books are first of all from my brother. My nephew's name was in there and he'd written in them. You know, they have like the emotional ball, you know, I am with the emotions and the books and things. I'm not going to not keep these out, right? And I'm so glad that I did keep them out. And I and they're powerful rhyming books because then what happened was my husband, that was his jam. So he nice. would do, yes, he would sometimes do story time, you know, at night before bed. But honestly, it was not very relaxing because his story time involved the foot book or socks on socks and he would read it as fast as he could read it. And so they would be in there laughing and having so much fun. And then, you know, the kids would try to read it as fast as they could. And then it was like, can we turn the pages so fast without ripping the pages? And I mean, it was such a fun um, bolstering of enjoyment and just like all the good words, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you that if you come across some theory about twaddle and watered down and dumped down books and blah, 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 blah. You know what? They have their space. In yeah. They're like dessert. Yes. Dessert. Yes. They're dessert books. You don't want to yeah. fill your mind with them all the time, but they have their place for sure. And you can read those old timey nursery rhymes. I mean, those are, those have some heavy duty vocabulary. I mean, think of all the things you can learn from some of those, um, uh, oh. the candlestick maker and you know all these yeah. things yeah all kinds of stuff we did a lot of classics and literature and I was like yeah I'm not not doing yeah like this is fun and cats yes. and underpants I'm sorry but that was yes. a huge motivator yes. for my reluctant yes. reader boy he that's loved, right 
when he got to be, I mean, that, that propelled him. So it has a time and a place and um, you sprinkle that in there. Like you said, for dessert, you don't want to eat cake all the time because you get a son of cake, but gosh, what if we never had the Fox on Socks race books? My goodness. That was such a bonding time for my husband and the kids and totally fun. And it was a break for me, right. To to not have to do my heavy duty (laughs) classic (laughs) rhyming books. And it's good for them. It's good for discriminating sound and listening to those rhymes and being able to predict what's going to happen next. Like you can predict because you know that word in that line with that rhythm, that last word is going to match the one from two lines ago. So you can predict what it's going to be. You know what I'm saying? There's just so much. You know what? I think I just had a thought too, that it maybe translates into kids being less intimidated about creative writing. And like, hey, you know what, oh, yeah. Dr. Seuss wrote a book about my left foot. I'm pretty sure I can make up something here. <laughs> yeah. And he made up a bunch of words and did just fine. Published a lot of books, making up nonsense words. It was just fine. Yeah. That's totally a good point. That's funny. All right. Number three on our list. So number one was read. Number two, read rhyming books. Number three is start with your child's name. So when your child is ready to start learning letters, I always started with my child's name. And when I was teaching intervention lessons, we started with the child's name. So when I would get first graders, sometimes they did not know how to write their whole name sometimes so that they were in intervention, Um, which, you know, in public school, it's a big deal, but in, you know, homeschool, whatever, if you're six and you don't know how to write your name, it's fine. Unless you're going to send your kid to public school. Who writes their name anymore anyway? We just Push it in I know you just push it in, right? But um, when you start with your child's name, these are like their most important letters. Their first letter is their most important letter. Like my kids would say, that's my letter. There's the letter H, there's a letter F, that's my letter. And they would find them all over. And so it was, it helped them take ownership of that. So if they don't know any, that's something you can start with is start with their name. And then you can have them start writing their name even, and Kim and I were just talking about this before we turned the record on, that our kids were writing their name before they could even write real letters. I mean, my son Hayden would sit there and go, uh, and make up all these names because he couldn't talk yet while I was telling the names of the letters. And then he would say, hey, hey, like we would say, what did that spell? Hey, hey. And that's how, what he called himself. So even when they're two, three, they're writing mock letters, and that is something he was always very proud of. Both of my kids were. So right. that's something you can start with. And, um, and I want to say one more thing. When I saw a lot of parents who would teach their kids to write in all caps the name, but it's really a better idea since most of our letters we recognize in the English language are all lowercase mm. to do the first one uppercase. And then if they're wanting to learn their name, teach them the other ones lowercase and teach them how to form the letters correctly. Like you can start that right away instead of doing all sticks and all capitals because it'll help them transition into writing. What were you going to say? I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, you're fine. That's a good point though, to keep the letter shapes, you know, correct. And of course, introduce them to capital letters, but right. The big letters look different, so different than the lowercase. Yeah. Yeah. The recognition is not the same. Right. Um, so just recently, I wanted to share what I shared with you. This is a receipt oh, yeah. a restaurant that I was at with my great nephew and some other people. My great nephew is three and he, we were, 
you know, at the table trying to spend some time. And I'm like, oh, let's all write our names. And that's my mom's name. Of course, she writes in cursive. She'll be uh, 88 this year. God bless her. 87 rather. Uh, she's amazing. So she wrote her name in cursive. And I wrote, and look, I wrote in all capitals. Uh-oh. I wrote, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote Jackson's cousin's name, Lincoln. And then this was his other cousin who was there at the table with us also. And he wrote his name, Connor, in cursive. And then it was time for Jack to write his name. So I said the letters and he wrote very symbolically and appropriate invented letters that really mean something to him. And, you know, he's three. Of course, they don't look J-A-C-K. But right. it's fascinating that as I was saying the letters, he knew what to do. He just he knew it was something. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, he made that. He had already made that connection between right. print and letters and that, you know, that's going to be a sound and it's going to be Jack. And so it was very powerful that I saved this, right? Okay. I'm like, oh, and goodness, look at his letters. They're not just sticks either. They all have a different shape. They're all right. a little bit different yeah. because they were all different letters that he was trying to write. So yeah. they're all yeah. a little, a little bit different. One of the most powerful things for my kids, and I honestly, this kind of transfers over to a lot of babies and kids that I go and see in my family and stuff when they always make fun of me, but it's so powerful is that my kids' names always had a song and it always was the same rhythm of the Mickey Mouse or whatever. A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A-N-S-T-A-S-I-A-N-S-T-A-S-I-A-N-S-T-A-S-I-A-N-S-T-A-S-I-A-N-S-T-A-S-I-A-N-S-T-A-S-I-
flip them over, have them play a game, see if they can match letters. What is that letter? Um, that you can do that for sight words and stuff like that too. There's so many things. Or like you said, the magnetic letters, like putting those out, put the letters of their name out, mix them all up and see if they can start with the first letter and bring them down. What's the first one? What's the second one? And say the letters of their names. I mean, everything at this age is so fun. You know, it does not have to be dare sit here and write these letters and write your name that's gonna don't worry you're gonna get plenty of time for them to sit and work and on their little desks um but then going back to the auditory for auditory learners Mm -hmm. um not just singing the letters or the alphabet song which by the way i have a very good alphabet song that i'm going to be sharing that doesn't mash up l m n o and p it separates mm. them. And it was so powerful for me to use as a teacher, but also with my okay. own kids. So I'll be sharing that. Um, and I was going to say just to practice kind of like round robin spelling words um, or their the letters in their name or saying the alphabet, you know, while you're driving around the car, I say, hey, what's next? What's next? Um, so fine. auditory, just auditory even if it isn't involving songs, that's very powerful for kids who are auditory learners. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. So keep it light, keep it fun and use anything, spaghetti noodles, Play-Doh, pudding, whatever. Yes. And with the pudding and stuff um, and the Play-Doh and all of that, they're not having to sit there and actually have to hold a writing utensil, a writing utensil, which is very difficult. They're just using their finger to trace. So that can be like a step back from having to hold a pencil or, or yeah, a this holding a pencil, a skinny pencil and a skinny writing. Oh, it's so hard sometimes. This is developmentally a bigger mm-hmm. skill than it is for little kids. You have two and three and four year olds, even in yeah. some kids who have tactile right. issues, right. that's not uh, easy at all. Okay. So mm-hmm. let them just investigate other ways. And I thought of one other thing because it involves nature and letters and doing like a nature scavenger hunt because, you know, Wyatt's name is Wyatt, why we call him. And I always am on the lookout for and take pictures of uh, things in nature that are shaped like a Y. And so just yesterday, I just popped into my mind, I was on the trail and I saw the perfect Y stick on the ground that I was like, oh, I should take a picture of that and send it to Wyatt. I'm like, okay, I think those days are over. I don't really need to do that right now. But the other day I saw this really cool old tree that was shaped like a Y and I'm out taking pictures of that. So a scavenger hunt in nature for the letters of their name or any letters is you'll be really surprised with what you find. Just change your perspective a little bit. Oh, you know, those photography shops um, that they have people's names you know, in different photographs, each letter is a different. That's what I was just thinking of, actually. Yeah, and like yeah, you could keep a whole ABC book with stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, just but things you find out in out in nature, out in the wild. That's, that's innovative. Truly. All right. So number, what number are we on? Number, uh, number five. Five. Number five is using movement for learning letters and words and learning directionality of how we read and write. So um, when kids are little, they're developing their gross motor skills, their big, their big muscle groups. And then when they get a little older, like we just said, they're able to start holding a pencil. Their fine motor becomes more um, 
fine-tuned. So some things that we did when I was um, teaching kids to write letters and read when I was a reading coach and uh, um, intervention and intervention was to, we had a huge whiteboard. It was like, it was like as tall as I am. And sometimes if they were having really a lot of trouble doing letters like B's and D's, we would pick one and then we would make it really big, you know, like around up down for D and using their whole body to make these letters really cemented it in their mind rather than sitting there writing it really tiny. It's hard to remember how it goes when you're just using a few muscles, but it cements your mind when you're using tons of muscles and going um, really big. So using a lot of movement, like maybe writing outside their name outside in letters and then having them jump from one to one, from left to right, they're jumping on the H, they're jumping on the A, they're jumping on the Y. Um, it cements like how we read and write. We read top to bottom, left to right. And so using your whole body and playing games like that really helps that kind of get into their mind that can help with reading, writing, moving across print and how um, how to form letters. That's huge, actually. I love that jumping on the letters idea. That's super mm -hmm. fun. Now this automatically makes me think of when my taught my kids baby sign language. That counts, yeah. right? Yeah. I so did that too. That was super powerful because even, you know, we didn't know that many signs. I mean, I'm talking about infants. Like I made it into a little book and I have pictures mm -hmm. of my baby girl doing, you know, milk. More so, milk. Like, we did all those too. More. Um, so she didn't know that many signs. I think it was maybe 10. I don't know. They, but if she was having a temper tantrum in a difficult situation, she would just sign something. And because I knew what she was saying and I could repeat back to her that communication, that would ease the tension sometimes. Not all the time, but it was a way of communication. And, you know, think about that. Her brain, so young, being able to, on some rudimentary level, relate this movement is a word that I'm going to be able to communicate to somebody else and they're going to do something to help me. And yeah. that super young infant stage. So infant sign language, that is super powerful. And you will be shocked to, to see your kid pick up on that. It's just fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. The way our body like moves and how it impacts our brain and language is huge. So we did, we did all that too. That's funny. Hurt. Wait. Yep. Those were our big ones when they were throwing a tantrum. I'm like, Queen, are you hurt? What's wrong? <laughs> we, we're across the room sometimes in the in the past, and we, we've been across the room and something like we have to talk to each other. There's still <laughs> rudimentary signs where like I gotta go. I got to go to the bathroom. You know, whatever it is. I know. We I still say, Are you full? <laughs> I put my hand under my chin, like, are you full? Honor. <laughs> right. Okay, number six, using technology to give you a break. I'm sure that people would argue you should not do that. But for my house, we did. And there are so many amazing YouTube songs about continents and Bible verses and books of the Bible. And uh, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom was online on YouTube. You could listen to the whole story. You know, I mean, amazing stuff. Yeah. So. And now I, they have YouTube for children. They didn't have that yeah, when our kids were that little. No, we're, this so is the old days. That yeah. is a safety net. Now, but right. let's talk about what started it all. TV. I mean, come on. Yeah. No discount. Sesame Street. PBS. Yeah, oh, yes. PBS. All that stuff. I mean, we haven't been there in a while, so I don't know what it's like, but 
Um, they even came out with that show, Wyatt was the character when Wyatt was little. I can't remember the name of the show now, but some of you might. Uh, anyway, you might remember it. So Wyatt was the main character of the show and words would come out and it was just fantastic. So I know what you're talking quality about. Quality technology for sure. And then nowadays also with tablets and the ability mm -hmm. to speak into the phone and see your writing. Yes. Like that's super powerful. Right. And all of these songs and books they know, you could just watch them and turn on closed captioning and you see all the words going across. I mean, it's just amazing. So even, even stuff like, um, even webcams and stuff like that, just, there's just so much that you can build language with things that you, you don't live there. You know, I don't live in Alaska, but I could watch, watch a webcam on it or, you know, just building language and there's so much online, but definitely YouTube and all of those, um, helpful apps and stuff are great. So I don't, that it is what it is. We used it. <laughs> I mean, I, in the apps that they have nowadays, you know, for nowadays, <laughs> I just think there's lots of good apps for their tablets. So don't discount them and, you know, set time limits and just let them have fun with it and get interactive. Um, and that's okay. Okay. Then so we're, that takes us to the last tip. Number seven, this is very powerful. Write down stories they tell you and read them back to them. So sometimes you can just, and it can be formal or informal. Like Kim, I know you did it kind of as a more of a formal thing and you have a big book, but even just writing down what they say on a post-it note or writing it down in a spiral or something um, where you are showing them like that whole thing you just told me, that's a story. That's what writers do. If you can think it, you can say it. And if you can say it, you can write it. And that's what writers do. They think things and then it comes out, you know, through their language and they can write them down. So when parents are writing their child's stories, it just shows, yes, you have a voice. You have things to say, look at you. You're like a writer. You can just tell the stories. And then they see that connection that their words can be shown in print and that they match up <laughs> what you said and I have every word for it yeah. yeah and super fun that you can tell stories together so when you go around you know we did that in classrooms we had lots of kids so we'd go around yeah. and it would add something to the story add a That's sentence to too. the story and we would write it down but you can do that in your family too and um make if we had we made some pretty crazy stories up <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the reading writing connection between that and them seeing that everything they think can be put into put on paper is very cool. It has a very big impact on kids. Um, published in general, because that goes back to the technology where you know you know yeah. you can speak it in and see it come out you yeah. know on the screen there. Um, there's just so nowadays. Many yeah, nowadays. <laughs> nowadays, that's right. So those are our top seven impactful ways to teach reading and writing and expose your kids in a way that is, uh, first of all, not going to break the bank, right? But it's also going to be super interactive and fun for you and build bonds in your family. Like you really can't do with any other topics. So just have fun and absorb uh, all the interactive and, and deep um, kind of experiences, right? With reading and writing. 
And if you go to our website, thehomeschoolwell.com slash blog, you will find a blog about this. And at the very bottom, we have a super special sweet mm -hmm. treat that is so close to my heart that I used with my kids to help uh, my son, my youngest, learn to read. And then it propelled my daughter, who's four years older than he is, to kind of really hone her writing skills. So it was just a powerhouse reading and writing tool for us when my kids were beginning readers and writers. And I said to myself back then, uh, someday I'm going to share this with people. And so I did. And so it's free for you. It's called the Sweetie Treaty Scavenger Hunt. And it's at the bottom. There's an active link with a um, picture of a lollipop next to it. You will see it at the bottom of the page, thehomeschoolwell.com slash blog. And it is the blog titled Preschool Reading and Writing Activities for Your Homeschool. And we do encourage you to take all of these tips though and use them with any age child who's just beginning they don't have to be preschool age to be a beginning reader you know we want you to embrace the fact we both had kids that were uh, reluctant readers and writers and they're fine now okay our kids are teenagers they're doing great so just really absorb and accept the fact that your every kid is unique and has a different time frame and you enjoy it okay and so go there, get the Sweetie Treaty Scavenger Hunt, have a good time with it. It's the homeschoolwell.com slash blog and tune in next time to our podcast and we will give you some more tips to encourage, enlighten and empower you mom so you can be the best teacher for your kids. See you next time. Are you looking for a place to connect with other homeschool moms? Well, we have a platform where members gather to support each other throughout their homeschool journeys. Moms just like you. We even have a spot for your kids to interact online in privacy and safety. So head over there and start creating community. Thehomeschoolwell.com.